Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Well, good morning. We had a 25-hour day yesterday. How cool was that? Most days are only 24 hours. Yesterday was a 25-hour day. What did you do with your extra hour? Mm-hmm. What did you do with the extra hour God gave you yesterday? I mean, how cool is that, first of all? And you're saying, well, really, the government gave it to me. But, you know, it's all God's. Time is God's. You're not getting any more of it. And yet, yesterday... You got an extra hour. Now, I know it's going to feel like taxes when it comes around and they take an hour from you. But in the giving of the hour, let's give the glory to God. So what did you do with your, you know, extra hour yesterday? Uh, I had I had reason to be looking through some of my old journals a while back. And I saw that on November the 5th, 1991, I had this journal entry about A.W. Tozer's Uh, in pursuit of God. And so yesterday, on the 5th of November, during my extra hour, I spent my extra hour rereading part of A.W. Tozer's In Pursuit of God. So I offer you this today, because it was in my journal entry from November 5th, 1991, and I revisited it yesterday on November the 5th, 2023, and I find it continually relevant. So this is how Tozer actually opens. In this hour of all but universal darkness, one cheering gleam appears. Within the fold of conservative Christianity, there are to be found increasing numbers of persons whose religious lives are marked by a growing hunger after God himself. They are eager for spiritual realities and will not be put off with words, nor will they be content with correct interpretations of truth. They are athirst for God, and they will not be satisfied till they have drunk deep at the fountain of living water. If you've never read Tozer's In Pursuit of God, I there's literally not a book I could recommend more highly, and it's free. You can, um, you can get it from Goodreads for free. You can get it online for free as a downloadable PDF. You can have it read to you. Um, as a Christian audiobook for free on YouTube. Um, and so if you are looking for a book that will not only invite you to drink deeply at the fountain of living water, but actually help you do so, I don't know of any better book than Tozer's In Pursuit of God. Here's a couple of quotes. The man who has God for his treasure has all things in one. And then this. Promoting self under the guise of promoting Christ is currently so common as to excite little notice. And you say to yourself, wow, I mean, you know, Tozer's a very interesting contemporary writer. Tozer wrote this in 1948. (laughs) In 1948, A.W. Tozer said this of people promoting themselves instead of Jesus. Promoting self under the guise of promoting Christ is currently so common as to excite little notice. 
I mean, if you've thought anything about celebrity Christianity uh, in the world, Tozer's um, In Pursuit of God is a really good read. If you have wondered why no, no amount of going and sitting in a worship service that is mostly a presentation of other people performing, um, if you have wondered why you've listened to so many sermons by people who are competent expositors of the Word, but felt no movement of the Spirit, this this is a book that you should consider. It's very short. It's free. You can, again, I mean, it's because it's now in the common, you know, what is that when something runs out of a publisher's ability to get money off of it? It's, thank you, it's now out there in the common, the common space of copyright. So anyway, A.W. Tozer's In Pursuit of God. Um, I've got the YouTube link if you want to listen to it as a free Christian audiobook. Text me and I'll text you back the link to that. Um, you can find the downloadable one, though, super easy online if you're a reader and not a person who wants to listen to it. But text me, 877-933-2484, if you want the link to the free audiobook of A.W. Tozer's In Pursuit of God, which I am rereading because I need it. And and uh, and so uh, if you want to read it or listen to it with me, um, I invite you into that journey. Here are Tozer's rules for self-discovery. When it comes to our minds, when we think about God as the most important thing about us. So let me ask you, what are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? Tozer listed it out this way. What, what do you want most? What do you think about most? What consumes your thoughts? How do you use your money? What are you doing with your leisure time? Whose company do you enjoy? Who and what do you admire? What makes you laugh? Those are some of the questions that Tozer provokes us to ask um, as we seek to understand ourselves better um, and then turn and understand who we are in relationship to God. Lots of people, lots of people thinking um, about lots of things other than God. In fact, there's a lot of people who don't think about God at all. And so if the most important thing about us is um, what comes to our minds or where our minds go when we think about God. And if most people are never giving God a thought, literally, quite literally, God is never comes to their mind, then what are they thinking about? What's on the mind of a person who is not ever thinking about God? So here is a, just a quick conversation, way to get into a conversation. What's on your mind? What are you thinking about? How are you thinking about what you're thinking about? What makes you think that way about that? What leads you to think that? What, what forms that way of thinking? How did you arrive at that? Um, I have an open-ended question I'm asking today uh, of people that I encounter. What do you think about what's happening in the world today? Now, I am not telling them what headline I'm thinking of. I am simply saying to them, what do you think about what's happening in the world today? Their answer is going to tell you how they heard your question, what they're most consumed about in terms of the headline. What, what do you think about what's happening in the world today? And it will tell you what, what is their what. Of all the things that are happening in the world right now, that one thing most important to them is going to be revealed in their answer. So um, you might ask how they are personally affected by it and what leads them to think about that. 
I am thinking a lot about the hate I see um, fomented in the world today. And so I could think of nothing better to talk with Dr. Linda Mental about than hate. Um, what is it? Why, why does it exist? And how do we stop it? So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Dr. Linda Mental is joining us. Linda, good morning. Good morning, Carmen. Great to hear you again. Oh, you too. What is hate and how do we stop it? Well, hate is a learned behavior. So people don't, you know, they're not born and suddenly hate everybody. That doesn't happen like that in life. But if you've been severely wounded by somebody, if you've been harmed by somebody, um, rejected. I mean, there's so many reasons why people develop hate. It's usually a result of how they've been treated or how they perceive a group of people have been treated and then responding with intense anger and unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness. And eventually that all evolves into hate where you actually have this feeling of hating people that you're walking around with, which can be like a cancer. It's very destructive. It doesn't do any good. And it only leads to really bad things in the long run, as we're seeing in the culture today. When I, um, when I think about what happens between Palm Sunday and people are, you know, waving palm fronds and cheering the arrival of Jesus, mm-hmm. and they're also happy and lovely. And then by Thursday, I don't know that it's the same group of people, but it's the same geographic space and people are chanting crucify him crucify him um it do we turn that quickly like do we turn from enthusiasm to hate quickly is it something that i I feel like in the culture something's been like uncorked that has been suppressed and so i'm thinking here about these not just demonstrations but very very virulent, angry protests that are happening across the country where people are chanting for the death of other people. And and so can you just help me? I I don't even hardly know how to respond. I know. it's Paul and I, your your producer, were were talking about that during the break and how, you know, there's a, a lack of understanding of correct history and what has happened, the conflicts between nations and people and the conflicts even in the United States where We have been gradually, I think, more and more, Carmen, moving away from building off of common ground, and we have been exacerbating our differences. And we've created this culture in America now where if you're not in our group, we're going to find a way to hurt you, to despise you, to not, you know, reject you, to think of you as the other instead of as someone who is made in the image of God, as someone who has common ground somewhere in their lives with us. We've lost our empathy for people because we're just, you know, we're just getting into our own little group and creating all these divisions and circles. And so I think the the ground has been plowed for this type of all of a sudden we're seeing this. I think what's so in what's so so hard for me to understand is it's so emboldened. I mean, the mm-hmm. fact when I was watching Times Square, where the 9-11 attacks, you know, happened in New York City, and people are yelling death to the Jews. And I'm just like, I cannot believe that there is a a group that attacked us, who's now attacking us verbally in a space where people lost their lives and things were so awful. So 
I think there's just been this cultivating of the ground of stirring up difference and stirring up division and stirring up um, unforgiveness and and differences and and saying, if you don't believe like we do, we're going to come after you. And it's a very dangerous place to be in a society because we have to build on our commonalities and we have to see each other as made in the image of God and try to get to know people who we perceive as enemies so that we can understand and maybe even dialogue about how we're getting to these places. Okay, so that's that's an expressly Christian worldview. Um, this, well, at least Judeo-Christian worldview, at least biblical worldview. Maybe I'll just back up to that. Um, mm-hmm. When you talk about Imago Dei, you are talking about seeing another person not as um an accident of time and chemistry and chance, mm-hmm. you are talking about a person as intentionally conceived in the heart of God at the foundations of the of the earth and intentionally brought forth um, by the knitting together in a mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully made, um, a person who is an image bearer of the living God, um, male and female, he created them I, I on purpose and for a purpose. Like that's the theology behind your statement that we would see one another as image bearers and therefore of eternal value. Um, Not everybody sees things that way. In fact, there's a whole lot of people who don't see people that way. Yeah, and that's and that that's a huge difference. And we actually, I actually deal with this, and I'm teaching at the medical school because we we talk about where does a secular worldview take you? If you're random, you're just a bunch of atoms. You know, you, there's no purpose, there's no meaning. The goal of life is pleasure. I mean, we can go all the way back from the Gnostics in Rome to Hegel and current culture, where um, it's all about getting what you can for yourself and avoiding pain, and just you know. It takes you into a whole lot of places that hopefully Christians would have some difficulty with, such as euthanasia and abortion and, you know, hurting people who aren't like you and putting an end to those those uh, circles of discussions and talk. So you're right. Your worldview, if it's a Christian worldview, you are so challenged by the words of Jesus because Jesus was despised and rejected. I mean, he knows this firsthand. He came into a culture that was hostile to him, right? And he didn't overthrow the government. He didn't go after those people. He just, he charged us so much with love your enemy. And he reminds us over and over and over, you know, it's easy to love the lovely. It's not so easy to love those who don't, you know, that treat you poorly. And so we're charged with this idea of looking at people made in the image of God and 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 looking at people and knowing that God cares about all people. He wants all people to come to know him. He wants the pagans. He wants the people who don't believe in him. He wants the the other religions who don't see him as Lord and Savior. He's giving them opportunities. And, you know, when I look at what's going on today, I just keep going back to the the idea that Saul was one of the, one of the chief terrorists and God yeah. had a, you know, he had a transforming experience with Jesus or with, with God. And he turned into, you know, helping the very people that he was trying to kill. So that's a story that reminds us that no one is beyond, you know, redemption and that God cares and he wants to give people a chance. And we have to stay in that mindset. And it's really hard on the natural. You, I do not think you can do this on the natural. I really think mm-hmm. you have to pray and say, I need the transforming uh, love of God in me to help me see people the way that Jesus sees people. Because without that, in the natural, 
you just move to anger and hate. Mm. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Linda Mental. We're talking about hate, hate, um, where it lives, how it breeds, what it does to us, reasons that we hate, um, where we learn it, how we get rid of it, how we deal with people who are in hate. And so for those of us who are in love and who are in Christ and seeking every day to uh, to put on Christ and let love lead, um, we absolutely live in a world that uh, is speaking a different language and pursuing a different um, system of um, not reconciliation, but retribution and revenge. And so how to live in the midst of all of that is what this conversation is about. We'll continue talking with Dr. Linda Mental in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Dr. Linda Mental, and because we are people of love, we must understand and consider the reality and the power and the reasons for hate. Uh, Proverbs ten twelve hate stirs up strife, love covers all offenses. Proverbs eight thirteen the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil, pride and arrogance, and the way of evil and perverted speech. These I hate. Ecclesiastes three eight there is a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Um, you can you can do a study, a biblical study of the concept of hate, and what you will discover in the New Testament in the words of Jesus are um, how we respond to and interact with a world of hate. Blessed are you when people hate you, Jesus says, when they exclude you, when they revile you, when they spurn you um, as evil on account of me, on account of my name. Um, There is endless conversation about love and hate in the scriptures. And so, Linda, when we look at what's happening in the world today and in the world around us, I have a a couple of questions. Is, Is hate speech like hate interaction, maybe on social platforms, hate discourse, does that like prime the mental pump for hateful actions? Absolutely, Carmen. It activates uh, parts of the brain that are associated with aggression. And what's interesting about what happens with hate in the brain is it's very different from love. It's like the opposite. So when we talk about people being in love, we always talk about people, they don't, you know, they overlook that sort of negative that's going on with somebody. You know, they sort of deactivate their judgment and they think, oh, this is, everything's great. Everything's wonderful. And actually the opposite happens with hate where you do activate this sort of heightened judgment in the brain. And that is a judgment that's associated with aggression. And it even activates motor parts of your brain, which means that you want to act, you want to do something so that the more a person hates, the more prone that that person is to take action. 
So they, you know, they calculate, they think about it, they ruminate on it. And when you're involved in social media and you're you're reading all of this and listening to all this, it's activating your brain to do something. And that's why people sometimes post things and they think, wow, later, why did I ever post that? Or they get in trouble because they posted something that was so hateful and then they have to go back and apologize, hopefully, which doesn't matter because I think there is a social contagion that happens with hate and it just gets it gets revved up. And that may be one of the reasons why we're seeing so much of it in our culture, because these social platforms are allowing hate to grow and activate people and get in, in specific groups and go against other people. I mean, I think we saw that way back in the election where it started to take on that type of form. And now with any kind of conflict in the culture or in the world, the same type of process happens. So it's a it's a dangerous cancer. And the Bible says it's a sin to have hate in your heart. It's even akin to murder, according to scripture. So this is not something that you want to activate in your brain as a Christian. But you can understand why the people around you are getting like that. And part of the issue then as we go in to talk about what we can do is we have to really control our emotions and we have to manage them and not allow ourselves to get into that mindset of, revenge and retribution and going after people. And instead, we have to try to practice civility with others and find common ground and manage our emotions and, and you know, direct our anger and hatred towards evil. That's an okay place to take. It's the only place to take it according to scripture. But again, going back to that idea, Carmen, of seeing people as, as people who need the Lord. I mean, I just look at it that basic is that we need to look at them, we need to pray for them, we need to see it as a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle that's going on. You know, we're not fighting against flesh and blood, Scripture tells us. I don't think we think about that too often. We get real focused on the flesh and blood, the person who's saying it, the person who's hurt us. But we're supposed to pray for those people. We're supposed to be having forgiveness in our heart over and over and over. And I think the Scripture that you read uh, about, you know, blessed is the person who's hated. I mean, I, I that's just such a hard one. Who wants to take that on? But that what? is exactly what our Lord is telling us to do. If you're hated, it's for my sake, you know, that's 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 okay. But that is very difficult to live in without a lot of prayer and without God transforming your heart in love. It's so countercultural to just take it. Like right. Yeah. So yeah. So that's my. So that's my. And we only have a couple of minutes, but I have to ask the question: Like, how do I handle people who are? I mean, they're 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 screaming and right. chanting and waving flags, and they're calling for the death of other people. Yeah. And I, I, how, how do yeah. how do I handle that? How do I can can it be engaged? Should it be engaged? How, what do I do? I mean, I think you can stand up for, for justice and for the right thing. So I think you can say, like, I, I don't think there's any problem calling Hamas a terrorist group and standing up for what's right and saying people who murder people like that are terrorists. So you can say what is true, but you're going to get you're going to get pushback from a lot of people. And I have found that even in my own career, when I stand up for truth, I get hated by the the opposition who wants to, you know, go against every Christian value that I have. And I can tell you from personal experience, you have to reset and say, okay, this is a spiritual, this is a spiritual fight. I've got to fight with my spiritual tools. I cannot fight in the natural this. So yes, I can call out injustice. I can I can be for righteousness, but then I have to be able to 
calm myself and to say, God, you see this, you know, you love everyone. You love this person. Help me to see this person with your eyes and have the empathy and the love for them. But you, I've asked, I've gone into meetings, Carmen, where I've had that kind of experience where the person has been so hateful to me. And I, one time I remember I sat down, I had to be next to this person in a meeting and I, I prayed before I went in. I said, God, I need something. I cannot do this in the natural. You have to give it to me. And I walked mm-hmm. in that meeting. I sat down I and I walked out of there and I went, who was that person? I was so kind and so empathetic and so nice. And I I know it was God because I couldn't have done that in the natural. So Mm. I know it's possible when we go into those moments, whether it's, you know, the hate we see online, the hate we see in the news, whether it's the hate we see at our workplaces or in our family members, just bring it all back home to help me to love with the love that you have and see people with the eyes that you have. And in order to do that, I need more of Christ in me. I need more of you every single day to help me do that because it's not a natural thing at all. That that is that is huge. Um I, you have told me before that my spiritual energy is contagious. My emotional energy is contagious. I do mm-hmm. have I do, you know, what possesses me um does does create an energy and and it does affect those around me. It is contagious. Mm-hmm. That is, um, that's empowering right there. That is empowering. Um, and then I'm also mindful that it's, it's impossible without Christ, right? And that's what you're right. pointing to. Right. It is possible with Christ. It is possible with Christ to stand there. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and without Christ, it is impossible. And so this, um, this encouragement you've offered us this morning, Linda, is so important and so great. So thank you so much. Yeah, it's we just we have to reset our minds on the on the things of God and not get swayed by what the culture is telling us. That means get in the word and get get your intimacy with God at a really good place. Yeah, this this is a spiritual battle um and it must be fought with spiritual weapons in the spirit, um, which is That's the right. opposite spirit of the world. That's just so good. That's Dr. Linda Mental. You um you can visit with her online. You can hear her on the Dr. Linda Mental show here on the Faith Radio Network. Um, and you can check out lots of blog posts related to this. If you go to drlindamental.com and search for the word hate, you're going you're gonna to be amazed the number of things that, uh, that come up in articles that you can read. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. And next up, we're going to talk with um, Pastor Julio Volsi. He, he works with um, kids, young people in Haiti. Uh, he is the director of Haitian, uh, Haiti Teen challenge and i i can hardly wait for you to meet him um and to hear the extraordinary things that god is doing in and through this remarkable ministry so haiti teen challenge up next here on mornings with carmen It's possible that sometime along the way you've heard about Teen Challenge. Are you aware that Teen Challenge operates in places around the world other than right where you live? Well, we're uh, joined today by Pastor Julio. He um, is engaged in Haiti Teen Challenge. Pastor Julio, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Carmen, it's good to be here with you and also to uh, share uh, what God is doing. Yeah, so... Talk with us um, a little bit for people not familiar with Teen Challenge. Like they just, they've never even heard of it. Um, what is what is it? And then specifically maybe what is Haiti Teen Challenge? 
Well, uh, Minister of the Adult Teen Challenge in 2008 was invited by some uh, business people in Haiti uh, who understand that uh, most of our youth uh, in Haiti was dealing with addiction and they understand that the only way out uh, what was a personal relationship with Christ and Teen Challenge was the best ministry that can help meet that needs. And as a result, uh, the Haiti Teen Challenge was established. Uh, a group of uh, Christ followers here in the Twin Cities uh, decided to um, register this name. We become a 513 with our own board uh, with a vision to build godly leaders of integrity. Uh, Haiti Teen Challenge is mainly focused on youth, trouble youth, ages uh, 14 to 24. Uh, it's a uh, 18 months residential program in the country, but it's the only one, only residential program in the country where we invite troubled youth from a life of addiction, prostitution, gangs, drugs-related, fatherlessness. And so we emerge them in the Word of God. And as a result, they become Christ followers themselves and invite them to be part of uh, we building uh, their nations. Uh, so Haiti Teen Challenge, it's a, it's a discipleship ministry with a vision to change the country of Haiti. Julio, First of all, most folks listening right now cannot imagine what life is like in Haiti. They can't imagine what it is like to be born in Haiti, to be a young person in Haiti. They can't imagine being a young person whose best options are prostitution or gangs or both. They can't. um, They're having a hard time imagining um, a culture where the possibilities for the future are currently so seemingly hopeless that people make choices that are really hard for us to imagine. So I know I'm not articulating a question very well, but what I'm asking you to do is describe what life is like for maybe a 10-year-old in mm-hmm. in Haiti today. So like the average 10-year-old in Haiti today is experiencing what? Well, life in Haiti is a life where uh, average Haitians, um, as you probably heard all over the news, uh, living under $2 a day. Uh, it's a country where over 5 million people uh, they don't have a meal. It's a country where we have no elected offi- I mean, government official. It's a country where 80% of the, uh, the capital, uh, Port-au-Prince, it's uh, controlled by gangs. It's a country where a uh, ten-year-old has no role model. Most of them, they have no father in their lives. Uh, it's a country where um, more than seventy-five percent of the population are jobless, so they don't have a job. So therefore, they cannot take care of themselves. And when you're in a place like that, you seem um, um, hope or what hopeless. So as a result, uh, you find young men and young women they have to find a way to earn a living, uh, to eat. So a young woman in Haiti selling herself in prostitution, it's more than really a choice uh, because it's not like they can choice. I mean, choose to eat otherwise. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's why, you know, the Haiti Teen Challenge Program, we make sure that it's, it is a residential program. When you take a young man from the street or a young woman from the street, you give him a place to stay because, you know, at, at sometimes the best thing you can do for someone is to give them a bed, is to give them, you know, uh, a meal. And we're able to do that 
and also um since you know for someone like me i i believed you know aside from my relationship with christ is because i had a mentor in my life because i was in the same position myself my dad had 19 kids he wasn't taking care of us uh but for me i was lucky enough at age 14 i met uh, a mentor someone from michigan and he was willing to invest in my life and you know teach me there's a good way i can earn a living um and so we're doing the same thing for our young men and young women in Haiti. So Haiti, if, um, you know, <laughs> we've never been to hell, but it looks like for me it will be hell on earth without a ministry like Haiti, Tinchan, especially for the for the young people. And prior to uh, a ministry like Haiti, Tinchan, 85% of our young po- folks want to leave the country because uh, they sense there was no life there. Uh, but thanks to God, because you know... Um, to the power of the Holy Spirit. When you met Christ, it gives you new purpose in, in life. Uh, so many of them now are living the life of gangs and uh, prostitutions, but they become disciples of Christ. And not only uh, to follow him personally, but also to invite others to do the same thing. Um, so I am very hopeful uh, for the country. I am um, believe I believe that uh, uh, the same way uh, it can take one generation to bring a country down. We believe also that uh, God can change a nation through one generation, and we are serving that ge- that generation. Sixty-five percent of the population are under the age of thirty years old. So I feel that um, uh, we do have a solution. The solution is is uh, is to engage uh, the young folks of Haiti in the things of Christ, because we believe that Christ is able to do to do it to do anything so the situation looks you know um um help i mean hopeless uh but we believe that uh, through the power of the gospel uh, we are very very hopeful we're talking with pastor julio from haiti teen challenge you can um connect with haiti teen challenge at haititc.org I'm more than happy to uh, send you the direct link. You you can just text me, 877-933-2484. We'll put you directly uh, in touch with Haiti Teen Challenge. More with Pastor Julio in just a moment. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. If you're a new listener, we want to officially welcome you with a free welcome pack gift. Request yours today at MyFaithRadio.com. Continuing our conversation now with Pastor Julio from Haiti Teen Challenge. Um, Pastor Julio, you um, have had an experience as a Christian in the culture of Haiti, maybe seeking to do things that gangs don't appreciate doing, um, or you know they don't they don't really want the transformation in the culture that you are um, fomenting and and that you really exemplify. Um, talk with us a little bit about experiences that you've had and experiences that others have had um, who you know. Well, it's, uh, we actually, uh, we are unpopulated, uh, you know, the devil's kingdom or hell and trying to populate it, you know, God's kingdom. Um, as a result, we are taking, like I said, young uh, women from a life of prostitutions and some people, they earn a living on those young women. Uh, we became a target. Uh, we are uh, uh, we moving uh, young men from a life of gangs. Um, in Haiti, they call them soldiers. So we are taking soldiers from the army of the enemy. Uh, so as a result, we become a, a target. Uh, we, 
you know, inviting young men and young women in the country to let them know that, you know what, God loves them. Is the, is, you know, it, they are the most important things to God. Uh, so therefore, they're approaching the gospel in a different way because in Haiti is a very uh, traditional way of doing things. Uh, not like I'm against, you know, the the always because I, I met Christ through that process. Uh, but now we can use technology. Um, in Haiti, uh, when I was growing up, you have to be 38 years old to become a pastor. <laughs> now you can be mm. in your 20s. I was a pastor myself when I was 23. Um, so with all this approach, it's it's become very obvious that we're doing something different. And as a result, so we become a, a, a target. Um, but which is normal because we read that in the New Testament. The Bible said that, you know, in this society, uh, we'll have challenges, uh, but Christ, you know, overcome overcome it all. Um, so it's been very, very challenging. Uh, one experience that we had on, on October 8th, uh, we have gangs actually entered our church building uh, because now in March of 2016, uh, with the Teen Challenge graduates, we were able to plant a, a local church down in Haiti because they were not welcome to average churches because of their past. You know, they had uh, tattoos mm. or they probably have a few piercing. They were not willing, they, they were wearing jeans and those things were not appropriate in, in most churches in Haiti. So as a result, we planted the church, you know, by believers. So known believers will come. Hopefully they will accept Christ as believers. Well, um, we've been a target as a result. And on October 8th, we had about 18 uh, guys with, you know, um, heavy weapons, M60s, entering our church and hoping to actually to kidnap me uh, for some. But God um, did a miracle. Uh, they end up, they left with one of our, our agents, um, Junior, which also a graduate of Haiti Teen Challenge, who became a staff member. Uh, but to prayers, uh, like people like you and, and others, uh, the Lord was uh, willing to, able to release him, uh, so he's home now. But it's a challenge. It's a challenge to preach the gospel. Um, but again, like I said, I'm very, very hopeful, hopeful because, uh, you know, if you're doing something uh, significant, you're going to have challenges. And so we are dealing with the challenges of, of uh, um, uh, in a country where there's there's no, no jobs, uh, where most young people would want to leave the country, no uh, people in government want to stand with us. Uh, there's no, uh, it's not like here in America, you know, every local church, you know, has a, a social program or school free. In, in, I mean, here in the U.S., you can choose to put your kids in private school, but if you can't afford it, you can send them uh, to uh, public school. In Haiti, it's everything you have to pay for it. So it's very challenging uh, to do ministry in the country of Haiti. But for someone like me who met Christ, and I experienced life elsewhere. I was here in the U.S. for about uh, 20 some years before I moved back to Haiti. Um, I understand that there's a way out. And for us, we believe that it's the, it's the gospel. So the outcome of the work, it, for me, it's, uh, it's more important than the challenges that we are facing now in the country of Haiti. Pastor Julio, um, first of all, thank you so much for sharing so freely about the experiences that you're having in Haiti. It, it helps us to understand the challenges that our brothers and sisters in Christ are facing. How can people engage? I mean, obviously, they can financially support Teen Challenge Haiti. I think that maybe is the most obvious um, answer to this question of how can we help. And you can do that at Haiti TC. That's Haiti Teen Challenge, HaitiTC.org. 
But how else can um, can Christians here in the United States and around the world support you as a Christian in Haiti? Well, one thing that we are praying ministry, uh, we uh, believe in prayer. Uh, we're able to survive uh, for the last, um, I said, since the start of this ministry in 2008, and we opened our door to receive our first student in 2011. Uh, I think we are able to stand as a ministry because of prayer. So the first thing will be we want people to pray uh, with us. Uh, pray, uh, be part of our, we have a, we have a prayer, um, a monthly prayer event, and we mm-hmm. sent um, updates on that. If people are interested on our website, they can uh, register for that. Um, we also want people to help, I mean, raise awareness because it's unfortunate uh, in the country of Haiti because our government leaders uh, the uh, the economic um, the the elite of Haiti been represent the country in the wrong way. As a result, people think that what they see from our government is Haiti. Haiti is more than that. Haiti is a beautiful country with 12 million people who want to do life. Uh, Haiti it's a country where uh, 50% of the Haitian people love want to follow Christ, uh, but unfortunately they don't have any uh, leaders. And the leaders been representing well. I mean, wrongly, and so people uh, picture Haiti as a country, you know, with no hope, and there's nothing good that can come out of Haiti. I think Haiti is more than that. Uh, so it is time for other believers to stand. This time, uh, not to do it the same way, like you know, just give a relief and but but become partner with what God is doing in the country, so we can create some uh, sustainability. Uh, especially with within the local church, with the next generation leaders of Haiti. And because we believe that uh, there's way out for Haiti to become a witness to the world for God's glory. And I invite, you know, people to be part of that, uh, to give in, praying, and partnering with us uh, while we're standing with the, with the people of Haiti. Uh, again, like you said, uh, to our, our website, you'll be able to find more information so what's the best way to do it. We have a very, it's a small team of people here in the U.S. in the Twin Cities working with us and trying to, um, stand and help us find the resources to do the work in Haiti and the team here they will be able to provide any information uh, someone may need uh, to uh, support uh, this, this ministry. If you're listening right now, we're talking with Pastor Julio. Um, we're talking about Haiti Teen Challenge. It sets young men and women free from a life of prostitution or addiction or violent gangs, whatever it is that they're facing on the streets. It provides training and education. The goal is to not just rebuild individuals in Christ, but ultimately to rebuild the nation of Haiti as Christ brings transformation to these individuals and then through their leadership transformation to their country. The You know, the goal here, the passion here is to break the cycle. Um, some of that is fatherlessness, um, so there's a restoration of family, there's a restoration of community, um, and then obviously to lift up godly leaders, to actually uh, invest in young people in a way that they can um, then be the people who build Haiti in the generation that is to come. Um, all right, so Julio, one one personal question here before you leave us. If I came uh, and had uh, a, a, a meal with you, what would we be eating? Rice and beans. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rice mm-hmm. and, and beans. how would those beans be seasoned? Because this is this is the rice and beans question. Yeah. How would the beans be seasoned? Well, I need to add that uh, uh, you'll be some rice and beans and also some fried plantain with pickles. 
pickles is more like a crustle, but the, in this case, we put um, uh, hot sauce in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would be, uh, how would, you know what? I'm not a good cook, though. Um, my, my wife would be <laughs> more qualified to, to share with you on that. But one thing that I know that would be tasty. It will be tasty. It will be yeah. tasty and you want more of that. And, you know, prior to the uh, all the unrest in the country, we used to win teams in Haiti. And uh, we hope to start again when there's more peace in the country. And I would, you know, invite you personally, Carmen, so you'll come. So you can experience that in Haiti. Then you can come and tell the uh, KTIS family um, about that experience. Mm-hmm. There would be cloves and hot pepper. Um, You've and been there. The be- and the beans would be red, not black. Uh, it's depend on the day. Mostly, mm. most yeah, it's depend on the day. Some days red. I think during the week it could be red, but on Sunday it's a special day, so it'll be black. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. All right, I am, I am up, I am up for some beans and rice. That is, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. So let your wife know, right, that when Carmen comes, um, she's going to want some rice and beans. Definitely, definitely. I love that. Pastor Julio, thank you so much. What a delight to make your acquaintance today. Um, Haiti Teen Challenge. I want to encourage you guys to check out uh, opportunities to invest in the ministry. Also join them. They've got a monthly prayer opportunity that you can sign up for and obviously ways to connect personally with them. So Haiti TC, Haiti Teen Challenge, HaitiTC.org. All right. And if you just want that direct link, you know how this works. You can text me 877-933-2484. I'll send you the direct link for Haiti TC, HaitiTeenChallenge.org. All right. If I came to your house and we were having some version of rice and beans, what kind of rice? What kinds of beans? Mm-hmm. I'm a fan of all kinds of rice and bean combinations. And for those of you advocating hot sauce, I see you out there, Bob Castro, saying the hot sauce must be hot. Um, I am happy with a flavorful sauce that's not super hot. So, like, I'm more of the salsa verde girl than the, you know, jalapeno hot sauce girl or the, yeah. So, I want to know, if I came to visit with you, would we be having uh, yellow rice and uh, black beans with some raw onions on top? Mm -hmm. Would we be having... Uh, white rice with some kind of bean? Would we be having a... So I need to know. I need to know the rice and bean combo that we'd be having at your house if I came over for a visit because I'm a rice and beans girl and we could probably make a whole rice and beans um, cookbook. I'm just thinking. There could be one. All right. I know it's not Taste and See Tuesday. And so if you want to withhold those recipes until tomorrow, I totally 100% understand that as well. Uh, So many of you with so many wonderful um, notes on the text line this morning. So good morning to you. And yes, for those of you who are concerned that the entire time I was not accurately pronouncing his name, it's not the English version. It's not the Spanish version. It's the French version. It's Julio. Although Paul Perot says it. um, It'd be more Julio. Julio. Mm -hmm. Julio. Yeah. It's kind of hard for a lot of Americans Mm -hmm. to say so. Well. And it would sound like I was trying to say it instead of just saying it the way he asked yeah. me to say it, which was Julio. So yeah. there you go. All right. Um, for those of you concerned, <laughs> I was not calling my guest by his name. I was, in fact. Um, so what are you up to today? Uh, how has God got a hold of your heart? How are you thinking about him? And then how are you applying all of that uh, to the challenges and the opportunities that you're going to face today? I'm going to be praying for you. I invite you to be praying for me. As each of us gets into the word of God and then gets out there into the world that God so loves. That's what we're trying to do here on Mornings with Carmen. Apply the mind of Christ to everything. 
um, all the time because we want to be pressing the gospel out always and in all ways. So what are the directions that God is leading you today to uh, advance the gospel? Let's be um, people who are moving always and in all ways for the gospel's advance as we you know, as we are good stewards of that which has been passed along to us, that those who follow us might receive what we in turn have now, which is the gospel, the good news of it. Um, So that chain of custody conversation that we had with Jay Warner Wallace, I'm still thinking about. What are you still thinking about from our conversation today? Um, I hope that the Lord tends to your thoughts, even as you tend to his business. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.